A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Basha Cummings and welcome to the Tortoise Podcast. We're doing something slightly different this week. I'm handing over the reins to Audrey Gillen, a reporter who's spent a long time winning the trust of homeless women in London and Glasgow. The rise in rough sleeping in this country, as well as in the US, has probably been the most obvious symptom of the economic distress which hit after the financial crash. Almost wherever you go, the number of people sleeping in doorways, in subways and in villages of tents is shocking and shaming. Some of them are women, Actually, many of them are women, and life for a woman without a roof over her head can be rougher and more precarious than it is for a man. If you talk to those women, as Audrey Gillen has, their stories are powerful and upsetting. And if you're squeamish about bad language, let me warn you now, there's no way to avoid it on the streets. So how did you end up on the streets in the first place? Drug use, a domestic violence relationship alcohol, lack of family. Um, Where were you living? Tilbury. Right. But I was in a tenure relationship then. An but unstable tenure relationship? Were you both on drugs? Yeah, and it wasn't so bad at first because I was only young. I was 15, he was 29. So I was nearly 16 when I met him. You were underage? Yeah. And, um... Yeah, ten years I ended up staying with him. And how old are you now? 31. Right. A long time ago. I mean, you're absolutely beautiful. Oh, thank you. And your eyes are shining, in spite of the fact that you've just smoked a little bit of... Uh, this, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I ain't drugged yet by it. No. This is Tony. Such an idiot I am. We're sitting in a shopping arcade near London's Liverpool Street station. Oh, don't you see it? It's after nine o'clock at night, and she's dropped her heroin. Are you all right? Do you feel a bit uncomfortable? No. No. It's cool. It's all right. No, I'm not uncomfortable. I'm not here to judge. Sorry. I'm here to listen to women like Tony to hear their stories, to uncover what it is that brings a woman to such a precarious place, and to understand the specific difficulties of being a woman living rough on the streets. Been for a shower living your hair spotless, you're looking spotless. No, I go to the B-Wayside and get showered, a place you can go to get soup at night, you can go in there and get showered and all that. Uh-huh. 
because I'm homeless, doesn't mean to say I need to walk about bogging, miss. I still try and keep This is Sharon. We found her sitting under the railway bridge by Glasgow Central Station. For a homeless woman on the street, if you want to bath, you can't bath unless you go into a day centre. And Nikki, who sleeps in the underpass like beneath Charing Cross Station in London. Going into a public swimming pool and you press the shower, the water runs for three minutes, you've got to press the shower. And you know what, you get limited time space. And if you want to have personal washes, it's like you've got to go to a disabled toilet or somewhere that you can get access to a sink. It's not easy for personal hygiene. Most toilets and most public toilets, like if you go into a McDonald's or if you go into a KFC and they see you're homeless, they won't actually let you use the toilet. It's horrible. They'll say it's for customer use only. And they make you feel that downgraded, that you'll end up, like I do, carrying baby wipes around, go somewhere undercover or go in a park, in a bush, and clean yourself and go to the toilet. There's very little facilities available for the homeless. It's so hard, it really is. You can't keep yourself clean. It's horrible. And where did you get cleaned up today? The Dello. Right. I went, I was in the shower for two hours. Really? I just let the water run and run and run through my hair. I washed my hair, everything. I was loving it. And how often do you get to go to the Dello? Every day. But they want to do an assessment on me. And I was like, I ain't got time, I really haven't got time. But you should have time. I know. Where'd you get your wee jacket? Did they give you? Aye. They gave me the clean wee denim, sanitch. That's Sasha. Sharon is looking neat. Bright red anorak, jeans, new trainers. What she calls sannies. Her hair pulled back in a ponytail. Obviously, like, I'll come to this area. It's the worst area for drug use. Um, yeah, Thank you, darling. Tony has long, dark hair. Her striking this. eyes made big by mascara. <laughs> Why is it the worst area here? Because um, it's just because of Jack the Ripper and all the sins, all people that are mashed up, and they just end up in East London because that's where the the good drugs is. And it's just disgusting. Some people got like stinking abscesses. And they could be sitting here and you wouldn't know. You'd sit down and you'd be like, what's that smell? And it'll cling to your clothes. And you'd be like, I just got changed. Mm. Or then you'd step in dog shit or fucking something. You'd be clean, immaculate. Tell me, as a woman on the street, what's life like for you then? Terrifying. Why is it terrifying, darling? Because I'm a last name, I'm out myself. Loads, there are loads of hate and loads of people getting murdered and leathered and all that. So it's horrible when you stay yourself. And have you been attacked? And here? Oh, aye. Well, I see, aye, a few times. I'll go right ahead back, but I don't take any shit, I've no gun. Really? Nobody. We last year went like that, took my glasses. I thought, I thought she was taking them off to 
sie, oh, is it you? As if she knew me. She took him off and put him in the road and stamped him right into the ground. I went, I've been waiting a year for them with a spec savers, a wee bastard. And I dragged her from here, right up to the end of that street. And then the police jailed me. She so jailed been in and out of jail? I've never been in prison in my life, but just in the cop shops, that's me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm too terrified for the jails. Are you? Oh, right. And then you've got the wee street team people like you buy. Uh-huh. They give you soup, food, cup of tea and all that. And then sometimes that wee guy comes out the chip shop at last thing at night before he's going home in his wee taxi and gives you fish and chips and all that. So people are looking after you? Do you feel lonely? Yeah. Lonely, I've, not, I've never had a best pal or anything. I just keep myself to myself, but sometimes you need somebody to talk to. And a wee cuddle and that, but... Oh, darling, here's a wee cuddle for you. Mm. But you don't always get that. And I wouldn't ask anybody on this. Sharon is one of the visible rough-sleeping women in the UK. But the thing is, most homeless women are not visible. They're sleeping in hidden places, out of sight and not counted. Shelter puts the figure of homeless people in Britain at 320,000, with about 14% of them being women. That number is rising disproportionately. Shockingly, one in four women report a sexual assault on the street in any 12-month period. And where do you sleep? Dunsmore. Well, down here. Down here. We've, you've seen the amount of homeless that sleep down there. Sometimes, like Nikki, they'll seek safety by bedding down next to others. You get locked in after about 11, 12 o'clock at night. An underpass, an arcade, a cluster of tents. There's gates you can get through them if you really wanted to, but they do. But when you when you say locked in, locked in or locked in? You're locked into a certain area. If you go into a certain area of the station, for security reasons, they'll lock the gates. So if you choose to go into that area, you'll get locked in. And then you get woken up four or five in the morning when the barriers are reopened. I've slept in the Clyde for years. I've stood at the bit of the Clyde at the fence down to jump here umpteen times. I'm too scared to self-harm. I'm too scared to take overdoses and all that. This is how I just sit here. Keep myself to myself, try and make some money for some food and whatever. But tonight there'll be like loads of homeless people in here, like three or four. So what time do they normally come? About nine-ish, ten-ish, or when there's no, when the station shuts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting tired, so you see that in it. I can see that in your eyes. Your eyes and are then... Blowing. You think I've got to be something to smoke before I go to sleep? Because if you don't get it before you go to sleep, you're fucked. Why? Because if you go to sleep without it, you won't be able to get up and get it. Because you'll be too ill. 
But if I'm not ill, like say now, I'm getting tired, I start to drift off. This is when I need to get up and make money before. And this is why you won't? This is why I'm worried about sleeping. Because mm -hmm. my habit is really bad. Say I've, if you I don't look as if your habit's really bad. You don't. I mean, the people because that you're just. If you see me and I didn't have anything, then you'd be concerned. You'd be like, wow, you look really bad. I'd be laying here, still puking up on the floor and everything, if I didn't have. If I didn't get up. I'd be screaming. How long have you been on heroin? But, um. All in all, since I was about 11. Since, since you were 11? Yeah. My brother done something to me when I was little, and I ran away from home. And I didn't tell my mum and my dad, because I didn't want to break their heart. Mm -hmm. And I got put into care. My sister, um, she maintained her innocence because I saved her, and she's got a good life. She's got kids. She doesn't smoke cigarettes. She's got a flat in Devon, and she's near my family. But I'm so glad my family haven't seen me like this. And you don't contact your family? No. You know why? Because I'm a letdown. You know, everything I do, I fuck up. So... And that's so you feel shame? Yeah, not even that. I don't want to make a promise to my sister that I can't keep. Mm -hmm. And then she's crying on the phone to me. Why ain't you come down? You're my sister. I ain't seen you in 20 years. Why are you doing this? I said, don't forget, I saved your life. You got to live with mum and dad. I got put in care on my own in Essex. And yous went all the way to Devon. I was put in a, a secure unit. And just knowing that happened under my mum's roof, I was worried. I didn't want to tell my dad. And I still didn't for 20 years. My sister told him for me. My sister went, Dad, I need to tell you something about Tony. Guy, sexually abused her. He went quiet for about two hours. And he went, I know she's not lying. That was just what my sister said. Because um, my mum is everything, my heartbeat, everything. But I was, I was the only person that went into care of my family. It must have killed my mum. Uh, uh, eldest daughter. But imagine, like, every birthday that goes by, I don't contact her. So she's thinking I gave birth to her today. Where is she? Mm. But it's like... If I was a mum, I'd want to go and find my other daughter. Mm -hmm. So... You know what I mean? When my father died when I was eight years of age, my brother was raping me. I had a child at 17 to my own brother when I came out of care. After that, I went with a guy that battered me for 13 years. Right. He passed away. Now I'm going with one, it's mouthy. And I said, I'd rather have a beaten off you in your mouth. And he got 26 months for the day. He's already done three years for hitting me. But he comes into this town now and thinks he can just hit me whenever he wants. No, but see sleeping out in the streets, Miss I, it's rough. How long have you been sleeping in the streets? I've been in hostels and sleep in the streets for about 26 years. Really? Mm -hmm. Been in kids' homes all my life, so I know you need to stand up for yourself. Me and my sister have been in the same. 
And what, what happened the first time that you went into care? What happened then? My brother, my father died when I was eight. My mother ended up going me her best friend's man's brother and he was coming in rating me. My bed was like that, that way longwards. My wardrobe was like, like that and my sister's bed was like that. But then she was getting bigger, so I had to make the wardrobe go that way, the same as the beds. So she wasn't was getting raped and then I heard her screaming one night. I said, that's no a scream for help or anything. She got raped and her legs were all bleeding everything. I took her out the house and my bare fit and feet and... So my wee sister, I put her on my back, had knee shoes and all she was shouting was, Mum, it's snowing outside and Sharon's going out with no shoes on. So I'm holding her there. She's only four foot seven now, now. And, and then I had to put my hand in her mouth. I went, that isn't right. Took us to the police station and that was us in care. I got my brother nine years for raping me and my family disowned me cause I, and I went to him. So I, that was the proof of the pudding. I didn't know I was pregnant last I was 18. No, eight months, I mean. And I didn't, I don't know. Because you, you first went into care when? When I was eight, oh, he was raped us all that time, but. No, but then you must have been. And then my mother's friends were raping me and my sister. Every time the bathroom light went on and out. It was just as if my mother was pimping us out, there you go. And you know, my own mother stood up and caught me. My son would never do that to my daughter. I'll never, ever forget that. And then she hated me. She loved my sister. My sister asked her for 40 grand. I've asked her for 40 pence, no. She hated me. And this is me just getting counselling now, and I'm 42 and I've been asking for it for you, all these years. Now, what's happened to that you're getting it now? I've never spoke to anybody about that. Why are you speaking to me about it? Because you asked about women in the street and why we're on it, and I'm just speaking the truth. What happened to your child? Oh, I gave him a weight bar. I couldn't even look at that when I read him. He's a wee boy. I get hangmates for the social work, he's doing well, he's got a wee bought a house. They said, could they change his name? No, I went, I change his name. Everything I'm telling you is the truth, miss, no lies. Look up my background and you'll see it, and I'm t speaking the truth, no lies at all. So what happened that, they, that, that, that you're getting some kind of help psychologically now? I've been asking for it for years. But why are you only getting it now? Maybe if I'd go it years ago, I'm, I, I'm an alcoholic now. Maybe if I'd go it years ago, I wouldn't have been drinking. And then it's, it's mentally, it's not, and physically, my head's fucked. In what way? Pure bad, pure damage with your own family. Your own family does on you, because you're going to rape you, because I got me in here. That's, he's just a bastard, he's a beast, I am. I put a blade right through him for seeing him winner. Sexual abuse, running away from home, being taken into care, addiction, domestic violence, mental health issues, suicidal thoughts, abandoning children.
The patterns and parallels of their pasts are unavoidable. The complex needs of their present are obvious. And these women, trapped in a cycle of hopelessness, struggle to imagine a different future. They feel the system and the services intended to help them actually conspire against them. And believe me, it doesn't go quiet until about 4 a.m. But why don't you go to a hostel? If you're not often offered a hostel, it's hard. Because you can't just go there. You can't just pay for a hostel. You have to have a council referral or a homeless worker referral. If you haven't got it, you're fucked. So why don't you have any of those things? <laughs> Because if you're like me and you travel around the country, which I did, I travelled Bournemouth, Brighton, up north everywhere, you tend to lose your local connection. And if you've lost your local connection, the council say to you straight away, you don't have a local connection. That's one of the main criteria of going under the council is to have someone who's lived in the area for over 10 years. But if you've left the area, even though you've got family, they'll say, oh, you've only been back in the area six months. Oh, but my dad lives here. And they'll say to you, you haven't got local connection. You need a verification with the homeless team. And you have to sleep on the streets for seven months. And then for some Mongos or a charity to see you, they've got to take down your details They've got to fill in a form, pass that on from the night worker. But you can go two, three weeks without seeing a night worker. You can sleep in a certain area all the time. And a night worker will turn up, and it's sporadic. They'll turn up one week, and then you won't see that worker for two, three weeks. And every time you're missing it, you're not getting your verification. You're longer on the streets. But as a homeless person, you can't do anything because some mongos and that are a charity. When is the last time you had a bed? Three, four weeks ago. And how did you get that bed? For a night shelter, for one night. One night in a night shelter. It was pointless. Because if you haven't got the verification, you haven't got the local connection, they've got no duty of care towards you, like the council has no duty of care. The mental health services don't have a duty of care because you're registered somewhere else and you're like, well, hold on a minute, I'm here. I'm at this point, surely somebody has a duty of care towards me. You know, you don't ask much, you know. Healthcare services, I'm suicidal. Does the hospital not have a duty of care to make sure I don't commit suicide? They say you're fine, they give you prescription medication. Who have you told that you're suicidal? Key workers, some mongos. When I last got attacked, I told the ambulance crew. Tell me what happened the last time you got attacked. Got a ball put in my head. What? Someone smashed a bottle over my head. When was that? Three weeks ago. Where was that? 
Charing Cross. It got reported, but I don't know who done it to me. I'd never met them, they'd never met me. Obviously, the police are looking into CCTV and everything over the attack. But I don't have a clue who they are. Hey, but I'll get over it. <laughs> don't make me cry, please. Don't. I survive. I tried I'm crying too. <laughs> don't cry. <laughs> don't cry, come on. Don't cry. I'm not crying. You were? Yeah, I do cry every now and then. I do cry every now and then. I do cry. You have to be strong and uh, like when there's other drug users out here as well, it's like you have to be you have to have your wits about you, yeah, because they could just come in here, rob you or, you know, it's hard on the streets because you could just come on at any time, like, and women have to more so, they struggle more than men. And then some women get bullied into smoking their drugs with men and it's like, it's horrible, but because I won't, be bullied, like everyone around here seems to have a problem with me, or they, they think that I'm too up front. That's why I try to be on my own, because I know that I'm safe on my own. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, it's like, it's like they're working against you, not with you. Mm -hmm. And some of the other girls, it's like, everyone else is nicer to them than they are to me. But I think it's just because I'm new around here, I don't know why. So how long have you been here? About six years. And you say that's your new round here? Well, yeah, compared to people that have been here, you know, like 10 years, 12 years, or, or been born here. And like, I'm quite a big character. What do you mean by that then? Well, you notice me. It's like, I'm not, you know, vulnerable. I'm not, I'm vulnerable to a certain degree, but I'm not, a victim for anybody. So they might think, oh, I'll be able to get anything out of her or, you know, manipulate her or make her think that she's going crazy or... Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of crazy. You all right? <laughs> Hi. I thought you knew him. I was going to ask him for some money. Hmm? I was going to ask him for some money. You should have done, done. But I just didn't want to be embarrassed at him say no. I could do that later. Yeah, you get attacked. You get men come up to you, offer you money. Like, if you're sat in a doorway, you'll get men come up to you and they'll be like, if I give you a fiver, will you give me a blowjob? I might be homeless, but I'm not going to do that. I've got my self-respect. But then when you're telling men this, and I've had it happen to me a couple of times, you'll get attacked over it. Or you will get your man will stick his cock in your face. Literally, I've had it happen. And straight. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. 
The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. We're supposed to learn from our own mistakes, but other people's errors can be instructive too. From efforts to control the weather that went disastrously awry to the untimely death of the Segway boss, history is a treasure trove of mishaps and meltdowns that can teach us all. I'm Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, the podcast that mines the greatest fiascos of the past for their most valuable lessons. Listen to Cautionary Tales wherever you get your podcasts. I've had it have where some guys... Just, just drunk people? Not always drunk people. Well, really I... aggressive... You'll get pissed on. You'll get you'll get smacked up. I've walked down the street and I've had some guy just like, oh, will you give me a blowjob? Grabs over my, my head. I said no. He goes, I'll give you 20 quid. No, I don't want your 20 quid. Bang. Straight in the jaw. I had bruising all over my face for about three days after that. But, you know, you go and tell the police... I've been sexually assaulted a couple of times. Huh? I've had men pulled down my trousers. I've had men who have fully gone on top of me. Oh, and shush, you know what? Shush. They're so powerful, you can't get them off you. Shush. I've had um, guys that are so overpowering that they've really hurt me. And like I'm covered in bruises the next day. But if you've not got security cameras or anything, or you go and have washed, there's no evidence. There's no evidence of an attack at all. You know, being on the streets, it affects your mental health. And you will, you'll turn to drink, because you'll be at rock bottom, and you'll look for something that picks you up a little bit. So you'll turn to a bit of alcohol. When you turn to that little bit of alcohol, you're then labelled as being an alcoholic. When did you start drinking? I've been drinking for about 20 years. So you never started when you were a teenager then? And I've only started smoking for that age, you know. I've only been smoking for about 11 years, actually. Any spare change, miss, for some food? Thank you very much, anyway. Any spare change, please? How you doing? As well as substance abuse, another common thread is prison. The number of homeless women being incarcerated in England and Wales has gone up by 71% since 2015. And in the summer of 2019, 
More than half of the women who left Bronzefield, the largest female jail in Europe, had no home to go to. I need to, like... I don't know if I'm wanting to go back to prison or not because I haven't even gone to appointments. And it's like... Yes, I've got a heroin habit and I didn't want to tell you that yesterday. I felt a bit like, is she going to not want to, you know, talk to me or... Judge you. Pardon? Or judge you. Yeah. But it just... It's like, where have I had my methadone and I've been able to pick it up? It's crazy. That people are searching me, like, in my sleep and taking my drugs off me when I'm, like, deep in sleep. So if they can do that, they can do, they can do anything out here. And each day that you're out here, it's like you get iller and iller and iller. And then it's like... If you lay here, you will start withdrawing. Mm. You can't even sleep normal because mm. you wake up and you just want to throw up. Your bowels are going as soon as you open your eyes. Yeah, and as soon as you wake up, the cold hits you. Your whole body's freezing and it keeps you going for a few hours. That's all it is. And it keeps you awake. But you know, I've never been this low in my life. I really haven't. Like these trainers, I found in the fucking um, in the doorway. They was drenched. I went to hospital. I got released with no shoes on my feet, and they said I imagined my ear infection. I'm imagining it. And what they're saying is, take these antibiotics and leave the hospital. We've gave you your treatment. But what they're not getting is, all the time I'm out on the streets, no matter if I take the antibiotics or not, they're not going to work. Because um, drugs end up um, killing the ingredient. Mm -hmm. And you end up throwing it up. You don't eat anyway with them. And you need to eat with the big, strong ones. Because it will never get better. But they're saying it's psychosis. I'm saying it's real. It's not psychosis. So. But they're telling you you have psychosis. They're telling me that I'm imagining having a really bad ear. But do you have any mental health problems? No. You don't at all? No, I don't hear voices. I'm depressed when I... Well, when I go to prison, I get depressed after I come off the drugs. And every time I go back to prison, they write me up for 70 mils of methadone, metazapine, which is an antidepressant, baclofen, which is a muscle relaxant, and a diazepam detox, and, um, yeah. Why were you in prison? For shoplifting, to cover heroin addiction. What did you shop, what did you get caught for? Stealing, milk, alcohol, anything. When you're going for addiction, you'll shoplift it and you'll go out and sell it. So what, and what leads you to prison? So not then? going to the appointments. You can't go to prison for not going to the appointments. Yeah, she can recall you back to prison. It's um, so government what we, legislation. What were you in prison for in the first place that you would get recalled? This is what happens. Even if you got arrested for drunk and disorderly and you were done one day in prison, you'd have to come in the community and do a year's licence. 
no matter how long you've done in prison. That means you have to go every week without foul to see this lady. And it's all the way in Finsbury. So, is she a probation officer? Yeah, and you haven't got the means to get there. You don't know what day it is anyway. And you ain't got no phone. You ain't got nowhere to live. Why are you going to probation? Because, hold on a minute, you want me to turn up, but I'm out on the streets. And then I don't turn up, and then she sends a vulnerability marker out and reports me missing. And then she recalls me back to prison, and she says it's for my own safety. So how many times have you been recalled? 45 times. This figure really surprises me. But then I learned that the number of recalls to Bronzefield for breach of licence has increased from 15 in 2015 to 555 in 2018-19. Across England and Wales, the number of women recalled has more than doubled since 2014, following what have been described as disastrous probation reforms. Women whose crimes are almost always non-violent and who are serving sentences of less than a year are hit worse by these changes than men. The licence finished now, but it doesn't end there. She can't recall me to prison anymore, but she can send me to court to revoke the order. So what were you in prison for in the first place? I've been in prison for shoplifting, um, theft, drunk disorderly, petty, minor things that have mounted up, because there's so many of them. And, um, yeah. And you've been recalled to prison... So many times. 45 times over how much of a period of time? A year. And how long did they take you in for? 13 weeks, 26 weeks, do half. Um, a month and a half, you know, like um, two weeks, 28 days. But that's much more than a year. They can activate up to now. It's like, I've done a 28 day recall, but me and, me and her doesn't, we don't interact. I don't go and see her because I don't like her anyway because she keeps recalling me. So <laughs> we ain't got no relationship really, but she recalled me to the end of my licence, which is now, and I still don't know what I'm meant to be doing. Mm -hmm. And she should have been outside the gate to pick me up in prison on the 30th of the 5th, when I got out. When did you get out of prison? On the 30th of 5th. May? Yeah. yeah. How many weeks ago was that? Uh, three. So I've been homeless three weeks now. Joke, innit? It turns out Tony's petty minor things include a racist assault when she was begging at Euston Station. I found a newspaper report that said she spat and punched and racially abused a member of staff and was sentenced to six months. The one constant in these women's lives are degrees of chaos and unreliability. This often means that when they do have somewhere to live, that tenancy can too easily be lost. But did you have a house? Uh, I did. When? 2013. Uh-huh. 2013. And what happened? I was on benefits and, like, housing benefits. I had to pay for my flat. 
and then housing benefit when giving the council money and I can pay back the rent arrears so the council took the flat back. And because I was so depressed and everything, I let the house go, like, not... It became dirty and I had depression. I was crying out for help and I was in that of mental health units. I was in that of prison going through heroin addiction. I come out of prison for the last time in 2015. So proud of myself because I kicked the methadone, I kicked the heroin, and you're on the streets for over two years. Near eyes, I let that guy stay in with me. He gave me a homeless flat. I let a homeless person stay with me and get evicted to here. Mm -hmm. And the next you... day, they would pack my stuff. She's going to help me, not me. During another one of my sit-downs with Sharon, a police van speeds by. But Sharon, is it? Everyone going that way, Dan, because he's coming this way. Oh, not Erin, Erin. Not I'm no, not I'm no. It then does a U-turn and parks up. Sharon begins to get agitated. It turns out the police are following up a call about a suicidal woman on a bridge over the River Clyde. Okay, someone matches your description, stood on the bridge trying to jump in. Look, I've never even tried to self-harm in my life or eight, mate. I've never tried to commit suicide. I'm with that lady. She came up and viewed, videoed, um, recorded me the other day for fleeing domestic violence in which it's like for ladies to sleep up. No, I'm not. 100%. A hundred percent. Yeah, the ponytail. I've had the tie thrown myself. I've just put my, my hair up, my pony there. Well, don't, don't start shouting at me, is it? I'm okay. telling you, it was the me. Right, you just match you your description I've got. Sorry, right. officer. So, Anyway, we, we need to confirm it's not you. See, he's in the diving. So see, he's bring the guys to me then. We need to see if he's under arrest me. 
Mental torture, you get depression, you get anxiety, you get stress. Then if something will happen, you'll get post-traumatic stress disorder. Then the next thing they'll say is, because if you go to an appointment and you're all emotional and your wavelength is you're going between high and low in your own head, they'll say you've got borderline personality disorder. Nicola, how did you end up in the street? My own problems. My own problems. This girl lied about me and then I got kicked out of support accommodation. But I was helping her out all the time. She had a heroin addiction. I used to give her money to support her own heroin addiction. Then one day she got beat up by her boyfriend. And then she turned around and said to the staff in the support accommodation, it was me that beat her up. She lied. But you were in supported accommodation. How did you end up in supported accommodation? Due to my mental health. Due to my mental health. And what is your mental health? Anxiety, stress. Emotional unstable personality disorder, depression, suicidal tendencies. It's horrible. Every day it's mental torture. I wake up every morning and I just think, why am I not dead? I try to kill myself on a daily basis. I will drink so much alcohol. I've got liver problems, it is. I drink so much alcohol thinking it will kill my liver. I take two, paras two boxes, three, four boxes of paracetamol with the alcohol thinking my liver functions, fuck all, this is what's going to kill me. And then I wake up in the morning and I'm like, what the fuck? So I do it again, and then I do it again, and I do it again. Because when you're on the streets, the doctors, no one cares about your mental health, no one. They don't know that you're dying inside. They have no idea what you're doing, nothing. They don't know that I go to bed every night hoping I'm going to die, you know? They don't know that. They don't, they don't get you the appropriate help because you're on the streets. You can't outreach the appropriate help. There's certain criteria you've got to reach, and if you don't reach their criteria, you don't get the help. You don't get the help at all. But can, can I ask you to take it back before you were in... How far do you before want to go? You, before you were in accommodation, how did what what was your life before you got into that accommodation? Raped by my own family members. That's why I became homeless in the first place at the age of fourteen. When I was seven years old, my mum died of breast cancer. I had someone who was my godfather who'd rape me on a daily basis at the age of seven years old. You don't know nothing. 
and you think it's normal. And then when your dad's getting your friends around to sexually assault you and do things you don't want to do, and you're crying out to your family, and they won't even contact the social services you don't want to see, so at the age of 14, I run away from home. And then to survive since then, when I was 16, I took my first overdose because I could cope with it. And I come round from that overdose and do you know what? I've tried to cut myself. I've tried to hang myself. I've taken overdose after overdose. But I've got to live with the mental scars in my head every day when I go to sleep. If I go to sleep, I'm reliving the nightmare, exactly what happened. It's going round and round and round in my head. But you know what, I still smile. I still smile. I'm still a nice person. You know what, so much I've been through, I should be a right arsehole to everyone, but I'm not. I still love people, I still care about people. I've got faith in humanity in the hope that others will be happy. It's so hard, it's so hard. It really is. How old are you now? 36, going on 37. Have you got children? Yeah. Yeah, I've got children. How old are they? Four and eight. And where are they? In care. And what happened? I couldn't cope because of my mental health and I signed them over myself. You signed them over yourself? Into care, because I couldn't cope. I thought I could. And then, you know what, due to personal problems, I said to the social services, can I get help? And because they weren't like giving me counselling, or any form of therapy. I couldn't oh. even see a doctor. I was like, do you know what? Can I set, can I sign my children over? So I done it out of a personal decision. I done it off my own Because they deserve a better life than what I've ever gone through. I would wish on not even my worst enemy to go through what I've been through. I wouldn't wish on anyone. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't wish on anyone. I wouldn't wish on anyone. I really wouldn't. <laughs> so if you can, don't get homeless. <laughs> don't run away from home. <laughs> don't fuck up like the rest of us. We've all fucked up in our own ways and for personal circumstances, we've all got, we've all got a story. But 
Please try and help yourself if you can. That fucking hurts to say it, but yeah. Uh, wow, are we done? Are we done? Yeah, I'll put it on. You turn it off. Please. Nikki, Sharon and Tony. Three women, three stories, all with the same disturbingly typical pattern. Abuse, addiction, violence and loneliness. Oh, thank you. What's your name again? Audrey. Audrey. Right, OK. I'll see you again. What's your name again? Audrey. Sharon. Let's go for a walk and we'll have another talk. Hi, darling. OK, see you again. Thanks very much. No worries. Thank you. On three occasions, I went back to the bridge by Glasgow Central to look for Sharon. I wondered what had happened with the police. I couldn't find her. I do still see Nikki around. The last time she was buying booze in Charing Cross. And I spent months looking for Tony. She'd asked me to bring her some makeup. I looked around the arcade, Liverpool Street Station, and the road where I knew she bought her drugs. In that time, I'd learned so much more about her. I found a newspaper story from 2004 looking for a missing 16-year-old girl. She's wearing pearl earrings, her hair tied back in a ponytail. It's startling. Child Tony before the streets have ravaged her. Then there's a Facebook message. If anyone has seen my sister, let her know I'm looking for her, please. And then I discover that her brother, the man she said raped her as a child, was jailed for killing someone in February 2019. When I spoke to her, Tony wouldn't have known this, but now she's disappeared. Everyone I ask says she must be back in jail. Yeah, I want to meet you somewhere like for coffee uh -huh. and like, like no drug use and, you know, where I'm calm, relaxed and, yeah. But I don't mind doing that. Like on the weekend or something, if you're not busy. Mm -hmm. Or you can meet me. I don't know, near the bagel shop, or we'll go for something to eat or something, mm -hmm. if you want. But do you mind if we just talk a bit more just now? If you want. Do you know the time though? Ten. Okay. Need to be somewhere. No, I just got to um, make sure I earn my money. Hello, it's Basher again. Thanks for listening. And remember that the story doesn't end here for us. At Tortoise, we open up our newsroom to invite our members and experts to debate the journalism that we're working on in something that we call Thinkins. We'll be holding a Thinkin on how to fix the homelessness crisis in Norwich on February the 19th. And in April, we're planning another in London with the charity Shelter. And we'd really love it if you join us at either of them. 
All the details are in the Tortoise app and you can download the iOS version now from the Apple Store and get a 30-day free trial. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. How do you solve a crime in reverse when you believe that someone was murdered but have no clue who the victim was? We have to do our job and we have to find out Who did they kill? If it's possible, how are we going to do that? I'm Jake Halpern, and this is Deep Cover, The Nameless Man. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.